Hello, this is Domine. Welcome to a new episode of the Witch Hunter podcast. As you know, the entire Witch Hunter story is available in a number of different formats. And if you've been listening for a while, you know what those are. And if you haven't, well, you should start with the first episode because this is all one big story. I hope you're ready because in the next chapter of Witch Hunter, things are going to get serious. And they'll continue getting even more and more serious until we get to the end of the story. So I would say sit back unless you are walking or running and enjoy the ride. Ignis. It was clear to Ludlove that those guards had been looking for him and Samina. He took in the sight of the chapel. It was so impossibly peaceful. They're searching every nook and cranny of the cathedral, Samina. They're looking for us. How's that possible? No one knows we're here. Ludlove shrugged. He didn't understand it either. Somehow the authorities had to have picked up their trail. We'll have to sneak our way out. But I'm afraid there is only one way to do that. Through the church itself. Samina made a laconic expression. Very well then. If it's the only way, you lead the way, Ludlov. I've never been here before. She wouldn't have. Gypsies, beggars and anyone below a certain line of class wasn't exactly welcome in the historic centre of Seven Peaks. By scripture, even the Voronitsian editions, anyone would have to be allowed inside a church. It was an unspoken rule that the Grand Cathedral was a bit of an exception, though. Ludlove looked around. There was one door on the opposite side of where they had come from, and another one to their right. The door to the right would open up straight into the church itself, which was the heart and essence of the Grand Cathedral. We could take that door. He gestured to the right. There are lots of exits from the church proper. But first, let me take another look through the keyhole. Samina shook her head and walked past him to the door. Let me, witch hunter. I have gifts you do not, remember? Ludlove had to admit that the cockier her attitude became, the more he found himself charmed by it. There was a freedom and an innocence, nothing actually pretentious to the way she bragged. Samina closed her eyes, spread all ten of her fingers, and placed both of her palms on the rough oak of the door. Once more, Ludlow felt the warm swirl of magical energy moving through the room. He felt the little hairs on his arms and legs raise beneath his clothes. He allowed the powerful feeling to pass through him. It was like he was standing in the middle of a great, gentle river of magic. There's someone in the church. A strong presence. And several lesser ones. A dignitary and some guards, Ludlove guessed. In any case, they shouldn't take that way. Luckily, there was still the door on the other side. 
which led to a long, narrow corridor running along the depth of the church. There would be a very steep staircase at the end, which would rise up high until it ended at the inside of an enormous flying buttress connecting the cathedral to one of the seven spires. Someone's coming. They had no choice but to take the other door. When he had closed the door behind them, Ludlow decided they wouldn't be making the mistake of listening at it again. Onward now. As they rushed through the tall, narrow corridor, Ludlow couldn't help but wonder about the guards and also who that strong presence Samina had sensed might have been. Samina was running faster than Ludlow had ever seen her do. Her feet pattered on the smooth stone floor. He tried to keep up with her, but he was determined not to be too noisy. They came to the foot of the staircase. Along with its twin on the other side of the cathedral, this was the steepest and tallest staircase in the whole of Seven Peaks, except for the one they had taken into the ghost streets, of course. Samina wasn't about to be intimidated by it, though. She pulled the skirt of her dress above her knees, taking three or four steps at a time, moving lightly as a cat. Ludlow hoped she wouldn't lose balance as there was nothing to hold on to along the way. As he tried his best not to fall too far behind, and not to fall down, he suddenly realized she wasn't just running away from the guards. She was hastening towards something. Halfway up the staircase, Ludlow decided they were far enough from any doors that he could raise his voice. Samina, where are you going? There's no escape up there. She ignored him, and when she had arrived at the top of the stairs, she immediately entered the hallway to her left. Ludlow didn't understand. That hallway was the inside of the flying buttress, which would lead only to a closed door. Behind that closed door would be one of the Sanctissima, the tower chamber of one of the seven peaks, harboring one of the seven stones. As soon as he had arrived at the top, he ran after her. Contrary to similar church buildings, the Grand Cathedral didn't have downward-sloping flying buttresses, but straight ones that looked more like bridges from afar. Inside, the environment looked like one of the corridors inside the cathedral proper. There were little slits of windows on either side of the corridor, showing the first natural light Ludlow had seen in what seemed like an eternity now. It startled him to witness a blood-red sunset the likes of which he had never before seen in Seven Peaks. Far, far beneath Ludlow's feet, there was the Grand Market, and beyond that, the enormous city spread out. Visitors would have marveled at the view, but Ludlow didn't have time to admire it. He sensed there was something wrong with Samina. He had to catch up with her. His muscles burned as he dashed along as fast as he could. His mouth fell open with astonishment when he saw that the door at the far end of the hallway was open, and the bright orange light of the stone inside streamed into the corridor. Sigurd! When he had finally reached her, he immediately threw his arms around her to restrain her. The Sanctissima was a heptagonal room, almost entirely made out of glass, divided by thin support beams made of steel. It was like a giant lantern. In the middle of the room, there stood a man, facing away from them. 
He held the glowing stone reverently in both hands, stretching them high. The light, though warm in color, was blinding. Beyond those windows, the evening sky was almost the color of blood. The figure in front of them turned around. It was a masked one. Behind the black raven beak, his eyes gleamed with glee. You are mistaken. His strange voice seemed to be all around them. Samina immediately stiffened in Lulov's arms. He let her go, and she turned to him. I'm sorry, Lulov. I was drawn here because I thought I sent Sigurd. But he's not here. Ludlov moved forward into the Sanctissima, shielding Samina. He wanted to speak to the Masked One, but just as he was about to do so... His entire body was blown back by a gigantic shockwave. Shards of glass rushed past him, some cutting into his clothes. All the air left his lungs when he was smashed onto his back onto the corridor floor. Pain penetrated every muscle of his body as he stumbled back up, coughing and groaning. (coughs) In the broken window of the Sanctissima stood three ravens, the size of horses. Their fully black eyes glistened in the orange light of the stone. The masked one mounted the middle raven. Take them. Ludlov had no idea where the creatures would be taking them, but he wasn't about to find out. The monster to his left advanced with an enormous black claw, ready to grasp him. Even though he was barely able to process what was happening, Ludlov was just able to reach for his rapier. In a single fluent movement, he drew the weapon and let it slide elegantly through the air towards the claw. With remarkable speed, the raven was able to parry his blow with its enormous beak, which pushed back Ludlov's blade like a massive shield. Ludlov's weapon made a nasty gash in the beak as it did so. He knew that he would need all of his strength, energy and wits just to maintain control over his own weapon. How would he ever be able to beat even one of these creatures, let alone all three? He risked a quick glance behind him. The mounted raven in the middle was still standing, while the raven on the right was advancing on Samina to grab her. She lay in the doorway between the Sanctissima and the corridor, her white dress bloodied. Ludlov wasn't sure she was still conscious. The broken glass had probably wounded her. Ludlov spun and kicked the raven who had attacked him in the side of its head, just beneath the eye. The beast recoiled, giving Ludlov time to turn to Samina. Just as the other raven's claw went down to grab her, she rolled away from it. With lightning speed, the monster's massive head jerked towards Samina's hair. The raven grabbed her hair with its beak and jerked her upright. She tried to resist to no avail. The bird was far too powerful. Rudloff dashed towards the assailing creature and stuck his blade into the monster's neck, spilling jet-black oil between the feathers. No, it wasn't oil. It was blood. The monstrous bird let go of Samina and snapped at Rudloff with its enormous beak. The witch hunter just managed to swing his rapier up, intending to stick it in the monster's mouth, but he was too slow, instead causing the beast to bite down on the sharp of the blade. The weapon remained stuck in its beak. 
Behind Ludlow, the first raven had recovered from the kick and now bit Ludlow in his right leg, pulling him up. His hat tumbled from his head as he felt a pressing hurt where the beak of the creature clasped his shins. His weapon was stuck inside the other raven's beak, but still he grasped the handle with both hands, determined not to let go of his rapier. If that happened, the fight would be lost. The middle raven, the one mounted by the masked one, had started to move towards Semina and made ready to grasp her with one claw. She tried to evade it, but this time the claw snatched her. No! There was nothing Ludlow could do. The two ravens that had taken him took little steps backwards, raising his entire body. He had to hold on to his rapier somehow. If he lost that grip, he would be nothing more than a worm in the bird's beak. Using his pistol was not an option. The mounted raven was hopping back towards the window, holding Samina in one claw. She writhed and squirmed, desperately trying to free herself from that claw. Then she suddenly stopped resisting and closed her eyes, beginning an incantation in Arcanic. The raven proved remarkably intelligent, though. It snapped at her, forcing her to lose all concentration. The two ravens pulling at Ludlow suddenly jerked back their heads simultaneously. No longer able to resist, he lost his grip on the handle of his rapier. The weapon clattered down in a corner of the room sliding towards one of the broken glass walls. Some shards of glass were pushed outside, but the weapon itself remained, although it needed but a little nudge to fall down onto the marketplace. Ludlow now dangled helplessly from the first raven's beak by one leg. It dragged him along in the direction of another window. Make certain they stay alive. Ludlow felt utterly powerless as the mounted raven passed Samina to the wounded bird, which grabbed her firmly in its claw. Ludlow stretched his arm towards her, calling her name. Samina! But it was pointless. The creature that clasped his leg in its beak now grabbed his arms and waist in its massive claw, rendering him totally unable to act, utterly constricted and facing downward. Then the bird hopped through the Sanctissima on its other leg. Everything moved and Ludlow could hardly see what was happening. But he felt the cool night air. With one more hop, the creature stood poised on the very edge of the broken glass wall, ready to fly out. Ludlow could now look hundreds of feet down to the Grand Market where tiny black dots of people had gathered, no doubt following the spectacle in fear and horror. A few shards of broken window glass rushed down beside him. No! All at once, several pistol shots were fired behind Ludlow, while above him, the enormous raven that was carrying him let out an unholy screech. Black blood dripped down on top of the witch hunter. Then the full weight of the beast pressed down on him. With his last remaining strength, he barely managed to open the claw in which he was held just enough to squirm his way out of it, but then he realized he was hanging partly over the edge of the window. If he did manage to crawl out completely, he would probably fall to his death. Damn it! 
yelled a voice Ludlov knew. It was a guard's voice. Immobile, the witch hunter couldn't see anything other than the long way down to the marketplace below. Straining his neck, he tried to look up to the crimson sky. It was there that he suddenly saw the masked one flying away on his raven, holding the stone in his hand, which shone like a fiery star in the night sky. His shock increased when he saw at least five or more of the giant ravens flying over the city, all of them in possession of a brightly shining stone. Then the beasts dashed downward. Where were they going? The ghost streets. Yes, the birds had descended into that chasm. Got little from beneath that creature. That was a familiar voice. Lady Hoskiv. And the girl. Yes, lady. That was Gorlivosk. Then Ludlow felt how the enormous pressure of the fallen monster was lifted from him. The precarious view down disappeared as the beast was pulled back into the room and turned on its back. Ludlow was still caught in the claw's stiff, dead grip. Gorlivosk's face appeared in front of him. Well, maybe the Inquisitio Internus is good for something after all. Oh, my head. Ludlov thought his skull might be cracked. Ludlov, you're awake. With great effort, he managed to sit up straight and take in his environment. It was so dark, he only had the feeling of a rough, cold stone wall against his back and the weight of heavy chains on his ankles and wrists. He was in a cell, dressed in simple rags, a vest and trousers, both made of sackcloth. Apparently, the witch-hunter order wasn't about to give them special treatment as prisoners. While they had been friendly enough to put Samina and himself together, at least, that might have been a stroke of irony, though. When his eyes adjusted to the dark, he saw the small window. The night was overcast, but a reddish glare was still faintly visible behind the clouds. It was just enough light to make out the features of the room. He wasn't surprised to recognize it as the same cell from which he had freed Samina at the start of their journey. Yes, this was definitely an ironic addition on Hoskiv's part. It confirmed Ludlov's fear that their old friendship would not help him now. On the contrary, it would only magnify his betrayal in the Grand General's eyes. He shouldn't count on forgiveness. Escape was even less of a possibility. Maybe there is still hope. Samina's voice sounded from the other side of the cell, where she was chained to the wall. Ludlov remained silent. Maybe we will be pardoned if we just tell them the truth, using the manifesto as proof. Maybe then they will see that we were right all along. Ludlov shook his head, although he wasn't sure Samina could even see him in this gloom. Samina... Don't forget my utter guilt of the mayor's murder. There is no hope for me. 
I don't even deserve hope, he added in thought. But maybe, just maybe, I can ensure that Lady Hoskiv will hear my plea for your life. It's only a sliver of hope, but she might be able to see your innocence. Silence fell again. I can't let you do that. You know I'm right, Samina. My life is over. But if I can get Hoskiv to read the manifesto and accept that the stones are evil, then I might be able to prove that the Magicide Act was a terrible mistake and save your life at least. It was almost hopeless, Ludlov knew. But it was something. He was well aware of the Order's stubbornness and the Church's slow procedures. He feared both institutions would rather continue on the wrong path than admit to an atrocious mistake that had cost countless innocent lives. It's foolish to count on their goodwill, though. He did feel the impulse to be fully honest with Samina now. It... it is foolish... Especially when we consider that the Black Sickle has been corrupting them for centuries. Well, they never did corrupt you, did they? Samina's voice sounded hopeful from the dark. Ludlov had never thought of that. That's only due to Maria, my wife. I still don't know why she died. And my desire to find out has only grown over the years. In everything I ever did, there was always the quest for truth and for vengeance. It was not even a matter of desire anymore, Samina. It was a need. I thought my hatred of those murderers made me more powerful. He bit his lip in shame. He wished he hadn't wasted so many days of his life, consumed by an emotion that had ultimately damaged his own soul more than anything else. What could he do now? All that awaited him was death on the pyre. Thinking back to that night when he had shot the mayor, he knew he deserved it. A fiery death, followed by an eternity of solitude. Away from the goddess, and anything he had ever loved, an eternity of wandering through the grey mists, like in the book of Vigilus, the death of a sinner and a traitor. I wish I hadn't hated so much, so close to the end now, I see it all differently. The worst of my fears used to be <laughs> to die without revenge. Not anymore now. What would revenge change? What would it have ever changed? No. The worst of my fears will actually come true now, Samina. To die knowing I am no longer the man she loved. Samina didn't protest to Ludlow's relief. He had no need for soothing and comforting words. The confrontation with the cold, hard truth felt liberating somehow. He had failed in his mission in the world. He was a murderer and a traitor, 
all that remained was to submit to that knowledge before facing eternity in a world of shadows and desolation. You loved her very much. He didn't answer. Do not fear death, Ludlow. You will see her again. He wished he could believe that. Don't you fear it, Samina? You are so young. So full of promise. I fear death the way I fear the coming of the new year. The changing of the seasons. I fear it only because it is new and I don't know what it will bring. Then again, I trust my next life will be what the goddess deems it needs to be. Of course. I had forgotten that the Sintra tend to be partial to the theory of reincarnation. I fear it is a folk belief, Samina. Unsanctioned by any of the scriptura. Even the pre-Boronitian ones? He was reminded of a passage from De Vitae Virginis, the third volume of an apocryphal pre-Voronitian scripturum, one that was never translated into High Thotic. Quando mundus egenus virgini, virgo incarnata. When the world needs the maiden, the maiden will be flesh. He translated from memory. It had always been a mysterious passage. One might take the word incarnata to mean reincarnated. Any annotated version he had ever seen of that text had explained it as a way to refer to the seven stones, though. An explanation even Ludlow had always taken at face value. It's possible the maiden might reincarnate at some point. Do you know the story of Wilhelm the White? Not really. He blinded himself. That's all I know. Samina, with her disarming honesty. They say that when Wilhelm met the Princess Elena and converted, he claimed afterwards that she had revealed herself to him as the blood of the maiden. The clergy says that the maiden's appearance to Wilhelm was a vision, a gift from the goddess to guide him away from his evil path. Who knows, though? Maybe he actually met her in the flesh. He pondered the wonder of that for a moment. It would never be sanctioned by the church, of course. The story is far too archaic in nature, too magical. It could be true, though. You never were like any other witch hunter, were you? Maybe not, Ludlow thought. No other member of the Order shared my understanding of the magical arts. And certainly none of them knew what it meant to love one with your gifts. Samina's voice suddenly sounded different, stronger somehow. Yes, Ludlow, that's what I mean. I do not believe you were ever defined by hatred. You loved. That part still lives within you. Love had turned to grief, which in turn had become bitterness by the time I met you, Samina. No. Ludlove, the man, is dead. And now, Ludlove, the witch hunter, will die as well. 
Those are not the words of a falcon, Ludov. The falcon? His power animal. He could ask her now they had time. What is a power animal, Samina? <laughs> she actually laughed. Chained to a wall in a dungeon, with the end of the world and her own death looming on the horizon, she laughed. And he suddenly felt that deep, warm glow again. <laughs> Men and animal are one, Ludlov. No matter how much of a city dweller you may be, you too are connected to an animal like a brother. He was prepared to believe that. Why are you so sure it's the falcon, though? You know it's my ring, not some innate quality of my own that connects me to that bird. And you probably think it was mere chance that brought that ring to you. No. Falkrin has meant too much in my life for that. Rudlov had to admit that, even though he only now realized it for the first time. He even felt a little bit guilty towards the animal, whose friendship he had often taken for granted. Does everyone have a power animal? Of course. This simple exchange of words and thoughts, far removed from ancient conspiracies and impending death, made the world feel sane again somehow, even if it was just for a little while. What's yours? The wolf. The wolf? A predator? Not what he had expected. He would have thought of some gentler animal like a deer or something. How do you know? He was sorry he hadn't asked such questions earlier, when her knowledge could have helped him. Perhaps he had been arrogant, forgetting how much she had to teach him. My mother was a child of nature, as you put it. We lived near the wildwood. One day, when I was still little, I was in the forest with Sigurd. He was more experienced and told me which berries I could pick and how to read animal tracks. He also told me to stay close, but I was small and inquisitive, and I strayed from the path. I think I spent hours wandering in the woods, looking for my brother. Evening fell and I was still alone, crying with fear and loneliness, convinced I was going to stay lost forever. That's when the she-wolf found me. When I saw her, I was afraid. I had no idea what to do. But I knew I was too small to run away. The wolf just came close and looked at me. I don't know how long we stood staring in each other's eyes, but the sun had set and the moon was shining down high above the treetops, and I was still lost in these yellow eyes when I heard Sigurd's voice calling my name. The wolf fled, and I called for Sigurd, who found me. Ever since, I have known who my power animal is. I like that story. It was quiet for a bit. Suddenly, Ludlow thought of something. Maybe the raven is the black sickle's power animal. I don't think so. A power animal belongs to a person, not to a group. I suppose so. And even if it were so, it would be a very recent phenomenon. Before the city fire, I'd never seen ravens in the black sickle's symbolism. 
Samina was quiet and Ludlov sighed. <sighs> the cell became cold and quiet again. Can I ask you something, Samina? Of course. Her voice sounded apprehensive. She probably knew what question was coming. Why did you call out for Sigurd when you ran into the Sanctissima? I was tricked, I think. The masked one must have used his magic to make me believe Sigurd was there. I did sense him, Ludlov. It felt so real. I don't understand what happened. I've always been able to rely on my senses. The children of the dark wear many faces. It was a translation of another quote from De Vite Virginis. Ludlov's hands were tightly bound. He stood in a large hall, lined with panelled wood. It was the Court of Justice of the Witch Hunter Headquarters. It was a remarkably beautiful location, considering the frightful and dramatic events that so often took place here. He had been in the court many times, but he had never expected to experience it from the position of the defendant. The morning light shining through the stained glass windows was too weak and pale to suffice. The large chandelier hanging from the middle of the ceiling bathed the room in the light of its dozens of candles. Portraits of renowned witch hunters looked at Ludlov with proud faces. Sancta Gwendala was pictured in full in a grand painting on the back wall. Some calm, detached part of Ludlov wondered what she would make of the current incarnation of her order. He was flanked by Leon, the guard, who refused to offer him any eye contact, and Gorivosk. Both looked ahead to Lady Hoskiv as she entered the room in her long, flowing court attire. The Grand General took on the role of Grand Judge of the Inquisitio Internus now, as she took place behind the massive bench. Ludlov of Seven Peaks, you shall now stand trial before your Grand Judge, Lady Hoskiv of the Witch Hunter Order, Leon bellowed. Then he guided Ludlov to the defendant's seat, still not looking at him. Sit down! Ludlov obeyed. Leon remained standing beside him. Meanwhile, Gorlivosk had assumed his correct position as representative of the Inquisitio Internis, standing two steps behind Lady Hoskiv, right beneath the painting of Gwendala. Besides those who were officially needed, there was no one else in the courtroom, which Ludlov read as an expression of the Grand General's deep anguish over the situation. When traitors and murderers stood trial, it was often made into a public spectacle, but Ludlov's actions shamed the Grand General and the entire order. He had damaged their reputation as the hardened and unconditionally faithful watchman of Seven Peaks. Lady Hoskiv's voice sounded despondent when she addressed Ludlov from the bench. Ludlov, dear old Ludlov, you have hurt me deeply. She looked so tired. Did you seriously think you would be able to escape justice? Lady Hoskiv held up a sheet of paper in front of her. Deliberately disobeying my personal orders, purposely obstructing the Magicide Act, freeing a condemned witch, assaulting the guards, and murdering the mayor of Seven Peaks by the goddess Ludlow. How could you? 
What have you done to yourself? What had he done to himself? Ludlow was surprised the lady still worried about his well-being after all of this. I will leave it to you to decide that. I know. I know. Much as it grieves me. You have no idea how much it pains me to issue this verdict. But you must understand that it is my duty to do this. Of course he understood that. I only have one question, Ludlow. Why? Why did you do all that? Are you in love with that girl? Is that it? Now you will both end up in the same miserable way. He shook his head. Had she forgotten what had driven him all these years? He had always thought the lady had known him better than anyone else. My fate was sealed. The moment when the black sickle murdered the woman I loved, lady. Lady Hoskiv closed her eyes and rubbed her forehead. Of course, the black sickle. What do you want me to say then, Grand General? Ludlow burst out, ignoring all formality. Tell me, what words I can utter that will bring back the mayor from the dead? I know his blood is on my hands. That deed was mine, and I will never be able to repay that life. Lady Hoskiv gave him a look that expressed no pity or sorrow. Is this all you have to say in defense of such horrible crime, Ludlow? Some sad little confession? Ludlow suddenly felt a fire of anger light up inside of him. Why was he the only one being formally condemned here? Yes, shooting the mayor had been a terrible deed, but he suddenly realized what widespread horrors Lady Hoskiv herself had ordered out of nothing more than fear of a dreadful apparition. A confession, he repeated mockingly, and the sudden change in his voice brought a look of surprise to the Grand General's proud features. This is not a confession, my lady. This is a manifesto. He stood up. Leon tried to push him back down, but Lady Hoskiv held up her hand to stop him. She waited for Ludlow to speak. Ever since Maria died, I have thought about only one thing. I have lived for only one thing. Every sword I drew and every life I took, all of it was solely in the service of revenge. All I wanted and all I lived for was to find and destroy the black sickle. He swallowed, bowed his head and allowed the words to come. Words he hadn't expected, expressing thoughts and feelings of which he hadn't even been aware before. Until recently, until I met Samina. I freed her, yes, but in a much realer sense. She freed me. In all my passion to find my enemy, I had forgotten where my goal had once originated and what it really meant. I loved my wife. I loved her more than you will ever understand. And when I found Samina, I somehow retrieved something that I had lost so long ago. By the goddess, it seems to be so long ago now, before beautiful memories had become scars. Through Samina, 
I have seen a light that I have seen only once before in my life. She freed me. She led me away from the illusion of satisfaction and guided me towards true redemption. Now I see that I too could have been a man. A man and not just a hunter. There were tears rolling down his face. A sight no one had seen in seven years. And he didn't care. Only now do I see that things can always change. And things will change, my lady. A massive change is already taking place right now. And you will all witness it up close. I know you will condemn me to death. But before you do, allow me to tell you what I have seen in the darkness right here, underneath our feet, underneath the Grand Cathedral. You have taken my uniform, but search it, and in my breast pocket you will find a book. Lady Hoskiv nodded dismissively. Perhaps she had already seen the book, but not paid any attention to it. Read it. Read that document, written by the founding father of the veneration of the stones, and you will see that there is true evil in this city, and like a worm inside an apple, it eats away at all that we have built, and all that we believe in, and all that we have ever fought for. I know that I'm guilty of murder and high treason, but if you condemn Samina along with me, you will perpetuate that evil. You will feed it. I know what I am, but she, my lady, she is more pure than any of us. It was quiet in the courtroom when Ludlow sat down again. Lady Hoskiv slowly shook her head. She is a magician, Ludlow. Her innocence does not matter. Ludlow felt his fingernails dig into his palms. How could he make the lady think differently about magic? My lady? The stones are evil! For the first time, he saw a look of true shock on her face. The stones were stolen, Ludlow. All seven of them. Is it not clear that the evil intended to rob us of our only protection? Ludlow wanted to stand up again. This time, though... Leon was quicker, and he was pushed back down onto his chair. But Ludlow would not let himself be silenced. The mages do not take power from sacred stones. The stones do not protect us. They are not sacred. They are Lucas's tools. They feed on all that feeds his evil. They feed on the murder of innocent magicians. With your magicide... You have aided Lucas. Those stones will bring forth the damnation of the entire city. Leon turned his head as far away from Ludlow as he could, like he was dutifully bound to stand close to something filthy and untouchable. Leon, a man who had once called Ludlow master. Samina and I have seen the twisting pathways of evil and faced The truth. We can still do something now. Only if we change. And if we all change, we can still turn the tide. Can we do that, my lady? 
It was quiet for a long time now. Ludlove held a tiny flicker of hope, now that the Grand General at least seemed to be listening to his words. What kind of change do you mean, Ludlove? A change in who we are. Let us stop honoring stones, which we see as symbols of virtue, and start honoring virtue itself again. Revoke the Magicide Act. Destroy the Seven Spires. And remember the virtues again for what they once were. A reality. Lady Hoskiv maintained an inscrutable look in the agonizingly long silence that followed. I can see now that the girl has utterly corrupted your mind. You rant about conspiracies and defend a witch as if she were a saint. But read the book, my lady. Read it. For the sake of Seven Peaks, for your people, I speak the truth. He closed his mouth, frustrated with himself. He had been too fierce. They probably all thought he had gone mad. The Grand General's eyes glistened with tears she just barely managed to keep from flowing. I will miss you, Ludlow. At least, I will miss the man you once were. At dusk, you and Samina will be burned at the stake on the Grand Market. The cathedral will be the last thing you will see in this world. Go with my blessing to death's judgment. Farewell, old friend. It was a bleak day. The cathedral and the seven empty spires towered over a city held hostage by fear and uncertainty. The majors had been punished, and those few who had survived the Magicide Act would soon be found and killed. It did nothing to soothe the people's spirits, though. The seven peaks were empty. The sacred stones were lost. In these desperate circumstances, the cardinal, or at least the mayor, would normally have addressed the citizens, but both were dead. An eerie silence hovered over Seven Peaks. At sundown, the bells of the cathedral tolled, and a huge crowd gathered on the Grand Market. At its center, an enormous pyre was built around a wooden stake. Ludlow and Samina were both tied to it, facing opposite directions. Ludlow, still dressed in the ragged outfit he had been forced to wear in the prison cell, faced the mighty cathedral. Samina was still wearing her own dress, even more stained with dirt and ashes than it had been before. The crowd was unusually civil. There was some shouting to be heard, but no one cursed or insulted the captives, nor did anyone throw stones at them. Perhaps it was Ludlow's high stature that gave the whole scene a strangely ceremonial atmosphere. 
Soon Lady Hoskiv would mount the stage next to the pyre and proclaim their sins to the whole city. The lady waited until the sun had fully set and the church bells were silent. The sky was red again. Its hue had become even more like blood than the night before. Lady Hoskiv took her place on the stage and surveyed a sea of heads, all looking at her expectantly. Everyone was here. Traders, crafters, nobles, clergy, elders, children. Samina closed her eyes and breathed in sharply. Her body was bound to the stake with ropes, but around her hands and feet were manacles of black metal. She held her eyes closed, savoring a moment of darkness. Then she breathed out and opened her eyes. Turning her head to the left, she could see Lady Hoskiv on her stage, addressing the crowd. Citizens of Seven Peaks, the woman's voice echoed over the massive crowd. Witness this night the full extent of justice. In a grand gesture, she pointed to the pyre. See this pyre, the witch and the witch hunter, tied together to the same stake. This man you see here was my own friend. As some of you may know, he was like a son to me. Yet his fate shall be no different than that of the witch he has set loose upon the world. As if they intended to strengthen her words, dark clouds gathered over the city. A shadow fell, and a chill breeze fluttered through everyone's clothes and hair. Citizens of Seven Peaks, as you know, our mayor, Felix Grundheim, is no more. This man, Ludlow of Seven Peaks, is his murderer. He has confessed it. Angry cries rose up. There were only a few, as Grundheim had never exactly been popular. But those who raised their voices were loud and cruel in the curses they shouted from the crowd. Particularly the ones that called the witch hunter honorless and cowardly. Samina knew those would hurt Ludlow the most. Don't listen to them, Ludlow. They don't know what they're saying. She couldn't see his response, but she hoped he had at least heard her. And this girl, this witch, rather, is why he did it. The jeering became worse. Some of the earlier troublemakers looked like they would have gone over to the pyre to give Samina a piece of their minds if it weren't for the guards who kept them at a distance with their halberds. And so it shall be that these two shall perish in the same flames and meet with the judgment of our goddess. Then she gave a nod to someone Samina couldn't see, but who had to be standing below Hoskiv, next to the stage. Lady Hoskiv turned her head and looked at Ludlow, and Samina could tell it was extremely hard for her to do that. Sinners they are! And like all sinners, they must be purified. Then Samina saw to whom the Grand General had given the signal. Two executioners, wearing black cowls that completely hid their heads, 
save for two small eye holes, approached with burning torches. So the end had come. No, wait, no. Grand General Hoskiff. The Grand General raised her right hand, stopping the executioners. If you have any last words which... Speak them now. More cries rose up from the gathered mob, but the Grand General silenced them. It is the law. Let her speak. She had such authority that even the angriest quieted down. Yes, I do have one last thing to say. She looked at the crowd. They looked impatient, like someone had interrupted their favorite play for a boring official message. Pleading would be pointless. She would have to shock them. Before we die, I want you all to know this. The world will change from this very moment. Our deaths will bring forth a new age. An age of strife. An age of bloodshed. Unrest broke out again, but Samina persevered. We are not the true enemy. The true enemy is amongst yourselves. Even more voices rose up, some laughing at her and screaming foul words. But Samina would not give up now. Her words would be heard before the final breath, no matter what it took. And if you do not heed our warning, then this city is doomed. Then you are all doomed. Did you not see? The stones have been taken. The end times are upon you. There is only one way to stop it. There were some in the audience who looked at her with concerned eyes. There were some who might listen. You must find the seven stones again and destroy them before Lucas' wrath comes. After those final words, pandemonium broke loose in the crowd. The stones are evil! Samina's voice was lost as the entire grand marketplace was in an uproar. Everyone was shouting, not only the ones mocking her, but also those concerned citizens who feared she was telling the truth. The latter group was quickly silenced by the former, however, and their conviction was only strengthened when Lady Hoskiv said, Foul heretic! Burn now in these cleansing flames and be gone from this mortal plane! Upon a simple gesture from the Grand General, the executioners lowered their torches into the oily branches of the pyre. The fire spread immediately, and a suffocating cloud of smoke rose up. Samina could just make out Lady Hoskiv's last look at her old friend before she turned away, unwilling to face the horror. Then the heat assaulted Samina like a flaming wall, and the smoke blinded her. She could only squeeze her eyes closed, tears streaming freely. She prayed it would soon be over, and tried desperately to shut out all other thoughts and feelings, but found herself unable. Ludlow! I can't die now. She screamed. I can't die now. Helpless. I can't die now. She repeated those words over and over until her voice broke. She still had so much to do. Samina, forgive me. She heard Ludlow's voice. She had never heard his voice like this. Desperate, weak, broken. I only... 
I only wanted to. <coughs> the smoke made him cough, unable to complete his sentence. She bowed her head, praying that the pain would be brief and the goddess would show them both mercy in death. The smell of burning wood agonized her nostrils. The fire neared her feet. The heat of it was so intense that it felt like pure pain, like a thousand needles were slowly being pushed into every inch of her feet. Were they already burning? Was she burning? She couldn't think about anything. She only felt pain. The smoke was so pervasive she couldn't even breathe anymore. Beyond the burning heat and the stifling smoke, Samina heard the screams of fleeing onlookers. For a moment, she thought they simply couldn't bear watching them die. She opened her mouth to scream at them, but her lungs were so empty she instinctively breathed in deeply and managed to find air, not smoke. Simultaneously, a deafening sound roared around her. Confounded, she opened her eyes. She could barely see it beyond the silver haze of her own tears, but there it was. A black whirlwind of... feathers. The smoke and the fire whirled along with the black mass. She focused her eyes. They were ravens. Hundreds upon hundreds of ravens. They fluttered around the pyre with astonishing speed. Some even dove straight into the fire, and rather than being burned, those birds turned to soot, covering and extinguishing the flames. Between the whirling frenzy, she could see more ravens, chasing away everyone on the marketplace like the swarms of locusts she had heard of in the tales from the southern lands. After minutes of black chaos, the birds finally spread out and the cloud of smoke and feathers lifted. All was quiet now. But Samina still felt like the entire world had become a boat rocking on a wild stream. Before she had even fully processed what had happened, she suddenly burst into tears, instinctively bowing her head to hide them, even though the crowd had left. She was alive. She didn't know how or why, but she was alive. When the tears had gone, she lifted her head and saw through her tears that a single figure stood before her, clad in a grey robe with a simple rope for a belt. He was holding a staff as tall as himself and carried a knapsack over his right shoulder. She drew in a raspy breath and began to cough uncontrollably, shedding tears once more. Her face would have to be luminous with the light of those tears now, she thought. The figure approached, and she felt a hand on her shoulder. Before seeing his face or hearing his voice, she knew whose hand that was, and her heart leaped with joy. Sigurd! 
She would have shouted, but it came out as less than a whisper, her voice utterly spent. Sigurd, it's you. She looked up. There he was, a slender young man, sharp of features, copper of skin, with wild dark hair and big, bright blue eyes. Good evening, Sammy, he said with a smile, taking her face in his hand and wiping away the dirt and tears, like she was nine years old again, and she had stumbled over a rock and fallen while playing. Then he drew a long, bent dagger that he had tucked behind his makeshift belt and cut the rope that bound Samina and Ludlow to the stake. Only when the ropes had come loose did Samina feel how deep they had cut into her skin. She wanted to walk over to her brother and hug him, but instead she immediately collapsed, and he only just managed to catch her. He dragged her away from the pyre and led her down beside the now empty stage on the market. Sigurd knelt and lowered his knapsack. Samina saw him take out a key made of black metal. He used it to open her manacles. Once he had done that, he threw away the odious things and hid the key once more, burying it deep in his knapsack. In the meantime, Samina just allowed herself to come to her senses. Everyone was gone. The marketplace was empty. Sigurd left again, hastening towards the pyre. As Samina was lying there on the stone of the Grand Market, she looked straight up at a blood-red sky with jet-black clouds hovering in it. It was like she was in another world. Ludlov? Sigurd approached, supporting Ludlov. He looked beyond disheveled and harried, but he was alive. The younger man gently let down the witch-hunter and allowed him to rest beside Samina on the marketplace. There they simply lay, coming to their senses. It didn't matter that there was danger all around them. They simply weren't able to do anything else. Sigurd seemed to understand that as he remained patient and waited until the two of them had caught their breath. I'm sorry I can't afford to grant you any more rest. I can't imagine how horrible this experience must have been. I fear you will have to come with me, though. Something enormous is happening. Ludlov slowly moved to sit up straight. Are you still infiltrated in the Black Sickle? Or have you escaped? They still think I'm part of them. And what's more, I have discovered their terrible purpose. It's much worse than you could have thought. Samina sat up straight as well. She was shaking, and the smell of burned wood still lingered in her nostrils. But the fire hadn't burned her skin, fortunately. I know. They want to summon Lucas from hell. It's even worse than that, I'm afraid. Lucas's servants have already taken the stones to the abyss, where their power will serve to free him from his infernal prison. The Black Sickle is about to achieve the goal it has held for centuries. Tonight, it will happen. Ludlov stood up. Samina tried to follow his example, but she took her time. What do we do? Sigurd looked from the witch hunter to Samina. The three of us can make a difference, I believe that. Your willpower and resolve, Samina's light and healing spells, and my newfound control of raven magic... That should be a powerful combination. 
Raven magic. Had Sigurd learned to control the Black Sickle's powers without being corrupted by their voice of temptation, her brother was stronger than she had ever guessed. At last she stood up. I'm quite amazed at what you did there, Sigurd. I've never seen you wield a craft like this before. She still couldn't believe she was actually talking to her brother directly. She had hoped for this moment for so long, and now that it was here, it it almost didn't seem real. Much has changed, Samina. More than you think. Sigurd frowned. Then his expression softened and he smiled. It's good to be here with you. And they hugged each other tight. He was back. The brother she had admired, who had protected her and helped her all her life, was finally back in her life. Even though she knew the end of the world was close, she couldn't help but feel happy. Silver tears left her eyes once more as she squeezed him as hard as she could with her still trembling arms. Thank you, Sigurd. Then she let go of him, dried her tears and took a deep breath. In the corner of her eye, she saw Ludlov, who had turned away from them to allow them their moment. He stood facing the vast empty marketplace and the yellow lights behind the windows of the many buildings in Seven Peaks. So, you allied with a witch hunter? Not your style, Sam. She returned his smile and glanced at her friend. He didn't look the part of witch hunter at all in his sackcloth rags. He's a good man. He's nothing like the rest of them. (laughs) That explains why they were about to burn him. There was a sound of thunder. A deep, rumbling sound, full of threats. A moment later, bright red lightning flashed in the sky, revealing the jagged edges of the gathering clouds. Red lightning... Ludlov turned towards them. Do you know what that means, Sigurd? The young mage nodded. Only too well, I'm afraid. The first creatures of Lucas's army are being summoned from the depths beneath the earth. A forked lightning flash connected the earth to the black clouds somewhere beyond the city's borders. You see, as the stones bring Lucas into the world, they also summon his followers. Dark beings, from beneath and from above. Ludlov gave him a puzzled look. From above? The giant ravens you have seen, and similar bats. Samina tried to comprehend the full meaning of what Sigurd was predicting, but it was too much. She crossed glances with Ludlov, whose eyes stood grim and determined to fight back. Somehow, that comforted her. What do we do? Well, since I am a member of the Black Sickle, I can help you get into the Abyss. That is where the chasm to hell is located, where Lucas will be summoned. We have to go there and stop this. Wait, what do you mean, stop this? How? Sigurd ran his hand through his ruffled hair impatiently. Look, I know a way. As if that answered all of Ludlov's questions. I'll be needing both of you, though. Ludlov nodded, but the look on his face was deeply skeptical. Samina couldn't blame him. 
No one would be helping them, and they had no idea what could be done to stop Lucas's return now. Still, she admired her brother's courage. He had infiltrated the Black Sickle, and survived whatever they had put him through with his soul intact. And what he had done to free them with his raven magic, that was beyond anything she had ever even seen. She looked at him and felt such pride, love, and gratitude. Of course she knew they didn't have a chance to defeat the evil they would have to face, but she would give her brother a chance, wherever that might lead. If this is to be the day when everything and everyone dies, at least I will die with both my brother Sigurd and my friend Ludlov by my side. She looked at the two men and lingered her gaze on Ludlov. And you, dear friend, you have been given a chance to be the man Maria loved once more. You will be a true hunter of evil, not a servant of a fanatical order. Nor a beggar dressed in tattered sackcloth. I will need my equipment. There isn't much time, witch hunter. Ludlov scowled at Samina's brother. It clearly irked him to be addressed as witch hunter. At least when Sigurd did it. Just wait for me by the entrance to the abyss. I have to return to the witch hunter headquarters. I will meet you two afterwards. Samina didn't like it. Terrible things were about to happen. The idea of splitting up made her uneasy. She had just found Sigurd again. Losing Ludlov now would be more than she could bear. Ludlov? Please? He turned to her. Yes, Samina? He listened. That in itself warmed her heart. Nothing. Take good care of yourself. The hunter laid his hands on both her shoulders, bowed his head and spoke in a soft voice. He had never been this close to her. Samina, Sigurd is with you. I will return soon. We're in this together. And I believe our city can still be saved from Lucas. And... His forehead gently touched hers, and she closed her eyes. For a moment, there was only that touch and the sound of his voice. I will be there for you, Samina, until the bitter end. I promise. The feeling of his hands on her shoulders, his head against hers, gave her a strength she hadn't felt since she had discovered the manifesto in the catacombs. I believe you, Ludlov. She straightened her head and opened her eyes. His familiar, piercing, hawkish gaze was right there. Go. We'll wait for you. He let go. Then he looked at Sigurd. If I'm not there in time, go on. I will catch up. I will be there. So be it, Ludlov. Farewell, friends, said the witch hunter, or former witch hunter, Samina thought, and he left.